0: Good evening. I know it's most of the afternoon we've had a nice display of a lot of thunder, but so far no rain. <laughs> we know what? we've had the racket. In other words, no rain, but maybe it'll come before it's over with. This evening we want to begin looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 9, and we'll read through the first part of verse 10. It says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. I want to begin what we would call with a incident that may have happened to many of us when we were children. We can all probably at one time or another remember the special moment that you got to go to a fancy restaurant to eat. In, my, in our day, going we to Northside north side, every once in a while, we'd walk down the hill to the old town and country. And, uh, and it's a special place to eat every once in a while. And if you remember, when you go to those places, the first thing that came out was an appetizer of some kind of another, and it was usually pretty good, and a lot of time it might be nothing more than some good bread or something else they would prepare. And then the... The, you know, they would come around and they took the order and now the meal comes out. You know, that good smelling aroma, that good meat and the veggies. And it would, and no doubt it's like me, it was real easy to get down the meat and the potatoes because that's what you really wanted and that's what you'd ordered. Uh, but at the same time, you had a hard part to do. And that was eating them green vegetables. <laughs> I always said spinach lexameter cut the yard and cooked it. It's what it looked like to me. So we had a hard time getting him down. But you remember what mom and dad said, didn't you? If you eat all the vegetables and clean your plate, you will get what? Dessert. So you eat the meat and potatoes, and you gagged and wheezed your way to get through the greens to get through it. Finally you got the plate clean, and then, ah, oh, mm mm heaven. The dessert finally showed up. That which you've been wanting all along has finally arrived. Keep that in mind. Let's go back to the Old Testament for a, for a moment this evening, and let's look at the children of Israel. When we come across them for the first time after they had been, after the death of Joseph, as we read through time, we find them in bondage for over 400 years. We, for the day comes when God calls Moses And remember, as he told Moses, I have heard the cries of my people. And he sets out to let his people go. And finally, after the ten plagues, we do know that happened. And you can imagine for a moment to the children of Israel, after being in bondage for 400 years, finally now they're being released. You know, to them, this is almost unreal. And no doubt looking at himself going, is this really happening? And you know that it was. The joy being able to gather this stuff has already been told. Be ready to go in a moment's notice. No doubt as they began to pull out of Egypt, they was to tears shed because they would have remembered those who had lived in that era of bondage never got to see this day. Never lived to be able to see the day they'd be delivered. But on top of being let go by Pharaoh, the Egyptians give them all this gold and silver and precious stones and a lot of nice fabric. Here they had worked in poverty all these years and saw the Egyptians having all of this wealth. Now all of a sudden the Egyptians are giving them the wealth just to get them out of the land. You know to them they're thinking to themselves, it surely can't get any better than this. But it's going to. But it's going to. They make their way out of the land of Egypt, as we know Joseph, I mean the Pharaoh changes his mind, comes after him. They crossed the Red Sea to the other side and they watched. Not only is the miracle that God had parted that grand that grand sea let him walk on dry ground, he watched on the other side as Pharaoh's mighty army of that day and time was drowned in the depths of the sea. And again you think, surely it can't get any better than this. But it's going to. It's going to get better as they move forward. Something better yet is to come. They make their way on their journey to the base of Mount Sinai. This mountain that would represent to them the mountain of God. The parameters are set. They get as much as goes up to get the law. They hear the voice of God. And no doubt in the back of their mind, they're feeling like, wow. What a how blessed we're 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 the closest we've been ever been to the God of Heaven is while He's on this mountain with Moses and we hear His voice and all the thunders and lightning and the smoke that went with it. Could it get any better? Yes, it's going to get better. Moses come down from the mountain with that law, that law, that light that would guide them for the next fifteen hundred some odd years would be their law, their guide. This was from God. This was God's law. This is what they were to do. And surely, even after this, it couldn't get any better than that. Here they've they've heard the voice of God. They received our law. Even through the wilderness, God took care of them. He provided for them. He, he watched out for them. You know, the, their clothes didn't wear out for all that 40 years of wilderness wandering. He, he took care of them. He provided for them. And even out in that desert, He made sure they had plenty of food to eat and water to drink. He took care of them. And it couldn't probably get any better than this, but it's going to. You can even imagine, in spite of that, the struggle it was in that wilderness to travel in that heat and in that sand. You can imagine there was days they felt like they didn't travel but a few hundred feet what it felt like doing. Maybe that's all they felt like they had done because of the heat in the sand. But is it going to get better? Yes, it will. Yes, it will get better. Their patience was truly being tested. Their faith was being tested. It was going to get better. There was something coming that would be worth the entire time across that heat and that desert. The day was coming. The day would soon approach that they would cross the Jordan River and they would enter that land that God had promised to Father Abraham that He would give to their descendants. That day was approaching. The best was yet to come. But isn't that what life is like? Is not life the same way? When we think about it for a moment, our youth, we'll call that the appetizer for a moment. We're at that time in life when we're full of energy and vigor and we get to be a child and play and have all kinds of fun. And mom and dad takes care of us and we watch ourselves grow. We discover the world, we learn things, and we grow in our knowledge about life itself and the Word of God and etc., but it's going to get better. As a young adult, we leave as we're during the high school years of that young adult, we're already begin to plan what we want to do for a living, kind of get a profession in the back of our mind. We leave high school and we either end up going to a co- to college or even to a trade school to further our education in the profession that we are wanting to do, that, that fits the talents and abilities that we have. We start a family. And you know, we begin to start a family and get our home and settle down and we begin to have kids and you're thinking, can it get any better? Well, there's what we call the adult years. You're in the prime of your life. Your job has been going for a number of years. You may have even changed a job or two. But you're watching your children grow. You and your wife through the years have maybe even bought another home. Things have gone well. You've gone places. You've been able to take trips. Life has been good for you, the prime of life. There's the senior years. Here, after all these years of working, you're able to hear that grand word finally spoken. I'm going to get to retire. Life is good then because now you get to live your second childhood. Why? you got grandkids. You're allowed to spoil them and send them home. That's your job. You enjoy it. Your friends that you've had through the years have even come closer. Why? Because many of those through the years that you've known and grown close to have passed away. The ones that are still alive, you hold closely. They're dear to you because you will cherish that friendship in those seniors' years. There's a closeness with God that you didn't even have when you were younger. You're drawing closer to Him as you should. You look at your life... You look at what God's done for you, reflect upon his goodness, and see that his hand truly has been in your life, and you say, Ah, oh, this life is this time in my life is the best yet to be. Leaving my senior years, being able to enjoy retirement and find myself as I've gone by, grow closer to God. Next, spiritually is it not also the same thing? When we look at ourselves spiritually, isn't there the joy of being becoming a new child of God? That joy of being Lord in that water, at baptism, to rise up that new life, that new birth that Nicodemus learned about in that room with Jesus that night. That time when you know your sins have been washed away. That Christ has now redeemed you by His precious blood. You now rise up to walk that new life that Paul describes so beautifully in Romans chapter 6. And you think to yourself, it's going to get better. <laughs> it's going to get better. There's the time of the growth and the maturity that you do as a child of God as your knowledge of Him grows day by day. As you listen to in the class. As you study at home. As you listen to sermons, you grow and mature as a child of God. And you realize that you're doing what you need to do. You've been taught to add those graces to your life and you're working very hard to do that and it's only going to get better. We learn to care about others. We learn, as it were, to be able to teach someone what is necessary to become a child of God and watch as those people listen to us. If we try to teach them that grand old story and they respond to it and they want to become a child of God, you feel, join your heart. I've, I've got someone to hear the gospel of Christ. It just can't get any better. It's in this time. Then we have those wonderful spiritual blessings that Paul talked about in Ephesians 1 and verse 3. We have that joy of redemption. That walking in the light that John talks about. We have the time of prayer that we can talk to our Heavenly Father. We are going as we grow and we're learning from Him as He talks to us through His Word. You know, and you look around and wonder, can it get any better? The wisdom that we gain. The inner peace that we have within ourselves that is so hard to describe to the world, the joy, the contentment, the worship, even as we are here this evening, brings us joy. Because for a moment of time, we're able to reflect and remind ourselves what God has done for us. Our friends who are Christians bring us joy and happiness, their closeness, that bond which cannot be broken, that bond which the outside world doesn't understand. We have all of these things. And as good as all of this may be to us, it's still going to get much better. Because heaven is a concept, is a promise that just absolutely staggers the mind. It is, it is the best yet to come. It is the dessert, if you please. All that we've gone through at the end, it is that desert. It is a place beyond description. And when we look at our lives as a child of God while we're on this river, that's how wonderful this life is. How much enjoyment I've had and the joy I've had as being a child of God. And He's took care of me all these years through the ups and the downs. He has always been there. Heaven is the desert that has to come. When you look at the evening sky. Or in the middle of the day, all you gotta say is this. If this, if the bottom side of, if the bottom side of heaven is this pretty, then how beautiful the other side must be. How beautiful must it be? Yeah, we've talked about the good things. We have talked about the best to come. But you see, we've got to stop. And do as Paul Harvey said, let's turn page 2 and I'll get you the rest of the story. See, we can't just stop right there. We've got to tell the rest of the story. Of all the good things that Israel received from the time they left Egypt, as they moved across the desert, as God provided for them, as they received His law, etc., etc., the reality is this. Out of that nearly one million people, two got the desert. Two. is the only ones that got the desert. That's the other side we have to look at. All that God had done, all the miracles they had seen, all that they had gone on as God took care of them, as they made that journey through that desert with the provisions of food and water when necessary what do we find we found the people in spite of all of that that lost their faith they became rebellious they became mur- a murmuring people they died in the desert and lost the desert they lost it. See, instead of praising God as they'd started out doing, and thankful that He had took care of them, instead of trusting Him all the way through their journey, as they murmured and complain, what did God say? This rebellious people will never see the promised land. The generation that came out of Egypt the ones who had tasted the freedom that they had so long wanted got close and lost it. And they died in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness. The best was yet to come. They lost it. Lost it. Now, let's turn the picture over and ask ourselves this question. Can the same thing happen to us? Can it happen to us? Having tasted that heavenly gift of salvation, having lived a life that God wants us to live, have us have as He helped us when we cried out through the good times and the bad, in the hills and the valleys, God has taken care of us. Having tasted all of that throughout life and watched as we grew as a child of God, to lose these things in rebellion and unbelief. How did the Hebrew writer describe it? In the sixth chapter of his books, he writes, three verses of what I say some of the saddest words ever written to a child of God. For he says, "...it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then having fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm." and holding him up to contempt. Sad words, isn't it? Sad words to realize that someone became a child of God in their youth through their classes, through their parents, even as they were able to understand more as they listened to those who preached to them the gospel of Christ from the pulpits became a child of God in their youth grew as a child of God. And in some we might say in the middle of later years, to have it say, they can't come back. They were so close, but they couldn't come back. They end up like Israel... They wander the wilderness and they die there short of the goal. Short of that place called heaven. People who have tasted the graciousness of God. People who once worked so diligently to add that those Christian graces to their life as they are told by Peter. But somewhere along the way they forgot verse 10. After you list those he says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure, for if you practice these qualities you will never fall. Notice Peter said to us here they are. These are things we need to add to our lives. But you noticed in verse 10, he put the responsibility upon us. That diligent means striving with everything you have within you. With all diligence, add these things. He says at the end, the diligent again, of what? Of the fact is of these things, we need to do so. Because that is what God requires of us. Make your calling in election sure. If you, notice that big humongous word, if. If you practice these things, you will never fall. Then the opposite of that has to be this. If we refuse to do those things, we will fall, won't we? We won't get the dessert. We'll lose it before we get there. The question you ask yourself is, why, why would you want to stop before the dessert? Why would you want to? An old hymn that's been sung through the years tends to come to mind when you ask that question. That old hymn is simply this. We sing it, but do we... Re- I mean, we've heard it sung through the years, but you ask yourself, do, do we really mean what it says? I've come too far to turn back now. Too many people sing it, but yet they turn away. Why quit? Why? Why be so close to this place that is beyond description. This place that we sung about a moment ago, how beautiful heaven must be, or heaven will be surely worth it all. Why come that close and lose it? After enjoying the blessings of God, enjoying all the things He's given you as you've grown, and then near the end just grow weary and tired and quit. I just, you know, can't go any further. You know, with with these, you just you plead, you beg. (laughs) Let's put it this way, you just plead and you beg. If you have to even on your hands and knees, be patient, be faithful, be steadfast. Don't give up. Undear to the end because the best is yet to come. Yes, along the way, we're going to have to eat the green vegetables, so to speak, in life. Yes, there are going to be times when we're going to have to walk through the heat. And there are going to be times when we have to struggle because life has dealt us a hard blow for a moment and God's help, even though it's going to be hard to get through that sand, we know that He'll help us. There are going to be those times. Yeah, there are going to be heartaches. There are going to be physical affirmities of the flesh. There are going to be things that stress us out before we're able to see the face of God but before you start murmuring and complaining and thinking God's left me and He's not paying any attention to me, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. This evening, what about you? What about you this evening? If we ask that question, we ask it in the sense of When you look at your life, where are you now? Are you still growing as you should as a child of God? Are you still adding, as it were, to your life daily those graces and improving upon them each day as you walk on this earth as God's child? If you are, continue. The best is yet to come. But if you quit, that you finally just said, I've had enough, it's been too much. I know I'm growing old, but I've had it. God has forgotten me. God's not listening to me and I'm having a hard time, I'm giving up. He's not listening to me. Sad thing is to lose the best to come. But seeing if you're not a child of God, the things are all things are ready. All things are ready. This This is an opportunity to become a child of God. To have your sins washed in the blood of Jesus Christ when you're buried in baptism his raised to walk that new life. Leaving here this evening knowing the best is yet to come. Even this hour, if you became a child of God or responded and you didn't live to see the next morning, you know you have gotten yourself right with God by doing what He wants of us to do. Remember this. If you don't, the worst is yet to come. While together we stand in while we sing.